Here we go. Hello. Uh, today, I speak with David Shurl about training organisation. I say at the start of the podcast that this is specifically for GST athletes, but the same principles can be applied if you are following any group programme. Okay. Uh, there's some good key details in this one. So stay tuned and right at the end, there's a little five minute kind of wrap up, which we've also posted on YouTube. So if you don't have time to listen to this whole thing, you can go onto YouTube and listen to the short five minute clip. But to get the most out of this conversation and to really get some clarity on what is best for you and your training going forward, you're best to listen to this whole conversation. So I'd suggest that you stick with it, enjoy, and also, if you haven't already, give us a like, follow, subscribe, wherever you follow this podcast. Here we go, David. How are you doing? Okay. Very well, thank you. How are you? All right, thank you. Uh, so today, we're going to go through training organisation for the GST athletes, um, specifically into how to use GST athlete, not just GST athlete, the other programs and resources that the athletes have access to, like the fixed length programs, the compete program as well. And we also are going to break this down into a little bit more of off-season training and in-season training as well. So we're pretty much covering all bases. And I'm boring David already. Shut up, Jack. <laughs> it's because we've already been chatting for almost an hour. <laughs> um, cool. So we're going to take uh, a previous week's training that's been quite recent. So we'll be pretty fresh in the athletes' minds uh, as a bit of an example. Um, so we're going to start off with off-season first. Uh, and we get plenty of questions on this and how to organize the training. And obviously when people sign up as well, they sometimes look at the week, the sample week, and they're like, whoa, that's a lot of training. I don't know how I'm going to get that in. Um, so I'm going to just ask you this question first, David. Um, for those people that do initially, you know, maybe look at the week and think, shit, where do I even start? How would you go about processing that week's training and maybe looking to start to put it together so that it's more tailored to you? Mm. So, um, first of all, how the training is organised in the day is generally how we think would be best for you to attack it if you have, A, all of the time to attack each of the pieces uh, with good quality um, and you're not having to rush through sections um, or completely remove some sections altogether. So that's that's like the ideal would be to complete it in the order that's already written. However, if you are someone who has potentially limited time, um, so you're not able to complete all of the sections of the day's training, and maybe that's on a regular basis, so you regularly need to remove some pieces, or it just means on a particular day you have less time than you in initially planned, and so you're trying to decide what do I need to prioritise, what do I need to remove, Um then we want to get into deciding, okay, what parts of this program do I, am I going to 
do and what parts uh, am I am I not going to do? Um, and we spoke earlier and we we were thinking about um, when you have your training, uh, especially in the off season, there are two things that you can do to make the decision as to what you are going to do or prioritize in your training day uh, with regard to what order are you going to do the pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is what part um, specifically to you is important. Um, and that may, may be that you need to focus more on a, a more general, a more general level. It could be that you need to focus more on conditioning. Uh, it could be that you need to focus more on a gymnastics element. It could be that you need to do more running. It could be that you need to focus on your strength. And it could get even more specific than that. And perhaps you've also got onto uh, like a fixed length program and you want to focus specifically on ring muscle ups or specifically on your squat, squat strength. Um, so that first, that first step is going to be identifying what part of the day's training is the most important to you as an individual what part do you really want to focus on um and then the second part of that is going to be depending on what part that you've chosen what placement throughout the day is going to get you the best stimulus from that part and the best performance through that section of training as well and Mm -hmm. we can go into more detail so it makes uh, more sense that part too that's that's really good. That's really helpful to, to start with. And we want to try and keep this as simple as possible so that it's, you know, apl- applicable to as many scenarios as as possible. So I think going into the actual kind of what the prioritization. So we've prioritized what we need to work on for that day. And I think let's go into the actual organization. And for me, this has always worked best is the thing that I struggle with the most, if it's a movement or if it's a strength piece, that should probably go first most of the time. So what I mean by that is, so I'm going to take this Monday as a, as a quick example, and it's already in the correct order is I really struggle with legless rope climbs and I'm looking at the day you know, and we've got a workout, we've got some conditioning to do. If I was to do the workout at the, the running first, that's probably going to leave me with a little bit less energy to give into the, the legless rope climbs, the, which is the highest skilled piece for me, which obviously means I'm going to get less out of it. So by putting that higher skill or that strength piece first, it means I can then give more into that part of the session. I've got I'm full of energy. I've got the most to give then. So I'm ultimately probably going to get the most out of it as well. Is there anything you want to add on that note, David? Um, no, but I think that um, just to come here from the other side, um, if I were to look at the same day of training, for me, um, the legless rope climbs is something that I'm very uh, comfortable and confident with. Whereas like the conditioning, specifically maybe the the running as well, are two elements that I would want to prioritize. So I would almost, I would do the opposite to Jack and I'd be thinking, okay, that legless rope climb session is less of a priority for me. I've got this workout, pumpkin smash, and I've got running. Those are my two priorities. So then you would look at, well, which there are two ways I could do. I could do pumpkin smash, the workout, and follow by the running, or I could do them the other way around. And then it's a case of deciding which one is going to have like a, the biggest like negative effect on the other. And we can look at the intensity and the, the running sessions are fairly like easy to moderate in sense, intensity, whereas the pumpkin smash is a tough workout. So if we're considering those two things as well, 
if we do running first and then we've got a really intense workout, we're already a little bit fatigued from that low intensity run, even though it's not huge intensity. Whereas if we prioritize pumpkin smash, the high intensity workout, we're still probably going to have enough juice to still to do like a decent quality, low intensity running session. And so then my day would probably look like pumpkin smash and then the running and then the legless rope climbs or even pumpkin smash and then the legless rope climbs in the run. Cool. That sounds really good. Um, if you are, again, if you are short on time um, on on this day in particular, again, with the prioritization that you've you've made for that day, I would simply take out one of one of these sections. So say, for example, um, you've only got time to do your first priority, which is legless rope climbs for me or and then, you know, one other piece, I would be thinking, right, I'm going to go for, obviously, the regular rope climbs first. And then whatever piece it is I feel like will help me get the most out of that session, like, great. One other thing to add to that is that looking a little bit more across the week, is there another area where I do need to kind of focus on and put emphasis on so what i mean by that is is for example if i do pumpkin smash on monday and i know it's gonna put me in the bin and i'm not gonna be able to put the same intensity for example on the gymnastic spread on the tuesday that's where i might be like right i'm gonna do the running because it's a little bit less intense tuesday i'm gonna really look to push this gymnastic spread session and hit you know, maybe maximal intensive for that week. Because I know another thing that athletes tend to do is they try to go 100% into every single session, which isn't possible. For example, David, if you played it when you play basketball, if you was play a basketball match every single evening, like you'd be broken. Within weeks, you'd be, yeah. you'd be broken. <laughs> you know, it's exactly the same with CrossFit and, and training as well. So you've got to look at the week or be aware of what's in the rest of the week as well and pick your battles. Like throughout the week, there should be probably two, maybe a maximum of three sessions where you should be looking for that kind of maybe maximal intensity where you're going to give that 100% kind of beans into that session as well. Mm, mm. Do you want to add anything to that or maybe give a different perspective to that as well? Um. Emma and I talk about um, uh, different uh, intensities that you've described there. We refer to them uh, as different efforts. Mm -hmm. And um, we compare the efforts to um, uh, different milks. So you have, uh, like we have like skimmed, semi-skimmed and full yeah. fat milk here. They have let and uh, melan and then normal milk. <laughs> and we talk about like, so if we use the English version, like the full fat milk is your really, really high intensity work. Mm -hmm. And then your the the skimmed or let milk is the really, really low intensity work. And then the melon or the semi-skimmed is in the middle. And if you try to go full fat, mm -hmm. high intensity, every single session, and even in a, even a higher intensity of those sessions that are supposed to be a bit easier, then you'll find that when you need to go to that high intensity, you eventually can't hold on to it anymore. And 
those those lower intensities those sessions that should have been easier that you should have like you said pick your battles and decided to do the session at a lower intensity you pop the intensity up on that one and then the session comes around that you needed to do at high intensity and you needed to prioritize you don't have the juice for that one so then that intensity drops so instead of having some skit skimmed and some full fat you just end up with everything becomes semi-skimmed training right <laughs> so you're getting so you're putting in a huge amount of effort, but you're not getting as much return back from that because you haven't, like you said, picked your battles. So instead of making everything semi-skimmed, try and like intentionally keep some skimmed and some full fat. Love that. I was uh, I had a call with uh, an athlete uh, the last week um, that follows JC athlete, and she did everything that was written, kind of in the main trunk. She's Relatively new to CrossFit, probably been doing CrossFit maybe six to twelve months, and she's all she was always feeling sore and kind of struggling to put you know a best effort into training, especially when she feel like she needed to. And I said, "You you're just simply doing too much. You know you shouldn't be sore every day that you come out of training, and you should be able to like we just said pick and choose your battles." Um, so I said, the best thing to do is less. And when you start to come out of training, not feeling sore in every session, great. Like you start, your body's actually starting to recover now. And it's one of them where you need to find how much volume is right for you. So the best way to do that is start with the minimal amount. And then as you become a bit more accustomed to that, look to add other little bits in, okay? Don't start with more, not be able to do it, fall off the bandwagon and think, and, and just, you know, completely lose lose all motivation and, and, and everything else. Start with mm. the minimal. Make sure you, you can recover. Make sure everything around training is on point. Right, that's all good oh, I'm going to try adding this extra little session in or little part of the session in going forward mm. for the next couple of weeks. Oh, mm. I'm feeling all right. Maybe I'm not even feeling all right. I drop it back down or I can put it up a little bit more again. Less is better to start. And then once you feel like you've adapted, then start to add things in. Don't start with a maximal and then just completely break down. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. <laughs> uh, do you have anything to add to that, or I don't know, maybe uh, I, c- I couldn't agree more, and I uh, mm-hmm. um, couldn't agree more with that uh, that approach to like managing your training volume and understanding what volume works for you. Um, and I just want to add to that that it's not it that does not change depending at what level you are competing at. That's the same for the elite as it is for the RX and for the intermediate and the complete novice. And to give an example, Emma and I, after a couple of competitions, have now begun our training for our next phase. And what we have done for this first week is effectively choose what we know to be like the lowest end of the volume that's going to give us some results. And then over the coming weeks, we are planning on building the volume and progressing uh, like it, the, uh, with the complexity of movements and the loading and so on. But the main thing is that we are starting. We know that our capacity from years of experience may be like this. 
And we are intentionally starting down here to give ourselves room to progress so that by the time we get to this point, it's essentially right before a deload. So we can hold on to that for that last week and then we drop it down again and we repeat. If we were to start at that maximum volume from week one, by week two, we're destroyed and by week three, we're injured. You know, um, it's not it's demotivating and it's not very it's not good for motivation. It's not good for progression or, or like health in, in the sport. So, um, yeah, I think it's a great idea for people to start at the lower end of the volume um, and then gradually work their way up um, until mm-hmm. they find that this is this is the maximum I can sustain. And then uh, that's some great feedback for you as an athlete and it helps you manage your volume in the week. And I think, again, just coming back to GAC athlete and being a bit more specific here that by doing less, that might mean to start off with the first couple of weeks or the first couple of phases that you, you know, join the program, you might just be choosing two of the sections rather than, you know, the three to start, because that's where it's like, right, I'm working out myself as an athlete, how better to prioritize what I need to really do in my training? You know, what are your low hanging fruits on each day? Okay. So you're developing as an athlete by learning to prioritize better, which is super important because you can't get better at everything at the same time. It's just not possible. And if you do try and do that, you become overwhelmed. So don't try and do that to start off with. Um, And then, like I say, if you feel like training's going well, you're staying consistent, then we have that extra section in. Okay. So again, heed our advice. Okay. And don't do too much uh, to start. Just to add to that as well, the, um, uh, that you can't get everything better at everything at the same time doesn't necessarily mean that you can't do all parts of the program at the same time because obviously when we program the weeks or and like different phases of training we are focusing on specific things so this is more a case of for those of you who can't manage the whole volume of a training day this is how you would select what you were doing but if you are in the the other group of people that can manage the volume of the same of, of the whole day and the whole week and um, which is majority of of, uh, of people that are following uh, JST athlete mm-hmm. and then um, uh, we're, we're going to get onto that next of like how can you how do you organize that day as well Let, let's go into that now then um, yeah okay let's let's get stuck into that and let's go through you know JST athlete and how if you you know with someone that can apply the time and and do all the sections how you would best kind of split split it up if you feel like you you had to or yeah how you best principles to follow i guess so we spoke um we spoke earlier and said about like um two things that you want to look at is a what's a priority for you as an individual and then b how does that priority fit into the training day the best so that you can get the most out of that session so a very common one is uh strength or weightlifting i need to get better at my weightlifting i need to get stronger um so if you as an ident- as an individual identify that as something that is a uh, les jack said a low hanging fruit so by improving in that area that's going to give you the best like overall improvement to your whole crossfit game um then you want to then look at the training day and figure out where in the training day is best for me to put that weightlifting and strength session so that i can a have like the most juice to perform on it well and get therefore like the best stimulus from it 
um, and B also a, a slight consideration is like the recovery from the session as well. So um, we can have a look at, for instance, um, JST athlete on the uh, Friday. Uh, Friday session we have um, or actually that's that's not even Friday because that's uh, quite an, e- an easy one we've only got two parts <laughs> in that day um, but uh, oh then we can go for the Wednesday so we've got upper body strength work we've got that workout spin class and we've also got machine based intervals so we've got quite a big machine heavy a uh, machine uh, bias day with the conditioning um, if I'm someone that wants to prioritize my strength then I'm probably going to keep that in the same order that it is there reason being um when the energy systems that we are using when we're doing like weightlifting or strength work um they tend to fatigue very easily and so when you are freshest uh, i in the uh, first thing in the morning or like after uh, um before you've done other training sessions is when you want to be attacking your weightlifting and strength work if i were to do that the other way around and be doing those two workouts beforehand even if i have a sizable amount of recovery between the sessions i'm still probably not going to perform as well on the upper body strength work as if i'd put it first thing in the day mm-hmm. how do you feel how, about that how long between sessions do you usually take and another one uh that i want to ask you as well is so um do you so say you had a strength session that was first do you try and do it so that that it's x amount of hours after you've got up as well or anything like that do you uh, how would you kind of you know how long between sessions and do you take that into consideration how many hours after you get up yeah do you want to go into that so that so now we get into some things that could be very um individual for you mm-hmm. based off of um your your schedule of your day with regard to work and other commitments that you have outside of training um your eating pattern are you someone that likes to have a lighter breakfast a bigger breakfast or maybe you don't have breakfast at all um and then also how all those things interact i think um as an ideal, you would want to get up and fuel for the session that you are having. So you'd have a decent sized breakfast. How big that is will depend on how comfortable you are in eating before the session. Some people like to eat lighter, uh, less mm-hmm. like have a smaller breakfast and bigger meals after training, some the other way around. That may also depend on the conditioning session. If you have a lower intensity conditioning session, maybe, uh, you know, like some yogurt and a banana is enough. If you've got like a big weightlifting session, maybe you want to have like a bigger, more carb dense meal with a little bit longer to digest that before you do the session. That's going to be up to you and your schedule. Um, but between sessions, I would definitely say a minimum of two to three hours. Uh, and within that time period, we're looking at something very quickly after the session um, to recover, um, especially like some like high density uh, of carbs um, and then ideally another meal in that gap as well. So that by the time you get to the second session, you've a replenished glycogen stores and like already started the recovery process from the first session. And B, you've got some extra food in as well to make sure that you're like fueling up for the for the following session as well. Perfect. Good. We just to touch on like the bias, the biases as well. Um, so we do actually put some guidance in of how to organize the rest of your of your training. Um, you know, if you are following the bias parts. 
so for example, again, looking at this this Wednesday that we've just been talking about now, you put complete this instead of today's upper body strength. If you do today's machine-based intervals, only complete A, B, and C. Um, what if someone can split the day into two sessions and be uh, doing like the strength bias stuff as an example, would you still say to follow that guidance or if someone can do um, a strength session on its own and then another session on its own later on, like, you know, does the guidance stay the same? Is it different? Yeah. What are your thoughts there? Um, well, I think you've actually <laughs> almost answered this question, Jackie. It kind of pulls us, <laughs> pulls us back around to what you said earlier about um, managing or starting off at the lower end of the volume and then potentially increasing until you get to something that's challenging to sustain. And um, I think in that scenario, if we have someone that has the space to do two sessions, first of all, A, definitely be hitting the strength bias first. Um, when you are freshest, the, the most well-fueled and and uh, and most rested to be able to do the session which is going to be earlier on in the day uh, and then if you do have the time to do a second session and that session uh, is a decent amount of time away from the strength bias session i would say start with doing the recommended volume that we've given there which is only parts a b and c mm-hmm. um, and follow that recommendation for say a week which is a, a like a decent amount of time to, to stick to the same volume for before making any changes and then take note of how you feel on that Sunday and then also take note of how you're performing in the following week. Are you able to make progression from what you did the previous week? Um, are you able to make progression and still stick to the, to the, to the specified reps in reserve or uh, rate of perceived exertion RPE? Um, and if you are able to do those things, then you can look at potentially adding in a little bit more of that conditioning volume. Um, and that way you are, making sure you're taking care of your priorities which are a performing on the strength work and b making progression from week to week because and i think the progression aspect is the part that people potentially forget about because it would be easy to prioritize the strength work so you have that as your first session you hit it hard you get a good stimulus from it and then you do a big chunk of conditioning in the evening but if going week to week you're not actually making progress you're not able to add on kilos or reps or time under tension whatever it is then although you're performing on those sessions you're not you're that that conditioning could potentially be harming your recovery so that you're not able to actually get the adaptation between the weeks mm-hmm. so pay attention to those those uh the two things that the performance and also like the progression between weeks that's that's a huge thing as well that you just mentioned about the progressions is that like people are going in too hard on week one and then like you say by week three they might, might have been able to progress a little bit week two but by week three they're like stuck and then again that whole thing where it's like oh i'm not progressing now and it's like well the reason is you've gone too big too soon you just it's it's getting to know yourself better as an athlete and some like we said like we said already to start off with a little bit less is actually more because you can then look to build some momentum going forward which again is just going to keep you on that role and make you more consistent and um yeah and give you room to progress as well um are there any 
exceptions to the rule with regards to order of sessions. So say, for example, um, I'm someone that's pretty even across the board at everything. In How would you then get organized people to organize the training? So say, for example, if we dive into, um, I don't know, like Tuesday as an example, we've got the weightlifting and strength, gymnastics spread. Um, they want to do the rowing progressions as well. Like how would you guide people through that, um, through that session there? So we're talking about, is it necessarily, is it always the case that we would want to do um, the the session that is, we would want to place the session in a way that is the best possible performance for that session? Or are we talking about, is it always we do weightlifting first and we always do, we, or we, does it depend on the individual? Number number two of what you said there is it always weightlifting first? Um, yeah, it's like if you're even across the board, right? So, um, I suppose in this, in my experience, I think we have like this, uh, three, three potential, uh, three groups of people that would benefit from having their conditioning before their weightlifting, okay? Um, or three scenarios. Uh, scenario number one would be if conditioning is the priority for you, as mm -hmm. we've spoken about with the weightlifting and strength stuff. Um, mm -hmm. If your condition, if your weightlifting and strength uh, numbers are at a point where um, they are a, your strength is a strength for you and your conditioning is more of a weakness, um, then for you, it's going to make more sense to prioritize doing your conditioning earlier in the day when you have um, uh, more uh, uh, ability to hold the intensity that is required for that conditioning better and whether that's high intensity or low intensity doesn't matter if for you if your conditioning is the weakest it's going to benefit you more to have the conditioning earlier on in the day or before the weightlifting strength work um the second group would be uh some individuals hold uh, and i know i've been like this in the past hold a lot of um tension or are very generally quite stiff and find it much easier to get into the positions that are required for weightlifting and strength work, um, even after movement mechanics work, if they've already done some uh, conditioning in the day. And that doesn't necessarily mean that every morning has to start with a like a 90 to 100 percent effort Metcon. It could be that they do like low intensity conditioning as well. But if you're one of those people that find that you move much better um uh doing your weightlifting with through weightlifting and strength work after you've already done something that gets you a bit warm and sweaty in the morning then you may want to do that with that being said that means that you also at the same time as you're doing that you also want to be attacking your mobility and stability to find out what is the reason why you cannot um get into those lift those that that like that deep overhead squat or front back position and so on that you need for weightlifting because you can't always rely on having the conditioning beforehand mm -hmm. but that could be a somewhat kind of like short to medium term solution for you if it makes you perform better because you can get into better positions of the weightlifting yeah. um and then uh the third group would be if you are someone who has who is fairly well balanced and you don't um uh, you don't have to put your weightlifting and strength work first. Uh, it would be good to switch it, not necessarily 
every week, but just every now and then, just so that you can actually get the experience of what it's like to lift, having slightly like tired or sore legs or um, slightly tired or sore like lats or core or triceps from doing like a longer skiing piece in the morning. Um, it's useful for competition because we know that very rarely in competitions are we in such a, like a rested uh, uh, state that we can perform optimally on all the lifting. So it's kind of, it's a good experience for that. And it's also good just to keep like some variation in the training too. I think that's a, we're going to come to that next, but I think that's the big thing is we give athletes through the program and our service, the tools that everything they need to, you know, help them along their journey to becoming, you know, the best athletes that they can. And, but it requires on the athlete side of things to, you know, be curious and explore some different scenarios sometimes when it comes to the training, like you just said in the last one, you know, you're not always going to be fresh going into, you know, an event at a competition um, because of the previous day's events, like you need to replicate that in your training. So let's get stuck now into, so we talked then about kind of off season training. Let's get stuck into the in season training. Okay. And how that now differs from off-season training. So just jumping on the back of that last point that you made, that is probably one of the scenarios where you may change your training around a little bit so that you're getting different feels, different you know sorts of fatigue when going into different um, aspects of the sessions. Mm. And, and that's something you specifically train and what you'd recommend for for other athletes as well so um when we're training it's it's all about sticking to the goal of where you are in the season and we always make this clear on jst athlete this is the phase that we are doing these are the goals and focuses of this phase we always go through as you say like the what the why and the how um, so that all the athletes are informed as to what they're doing how they're supposed to do it and why they're doing it that way um that applies to like the off season and the in season as well. So when you're in off season, you're away from competition. The focus, the goals of training there are to improve in whatever areas you're trying to improve in. And that training differs to pre-competition where your focus is on optimizing your performance to be able to compete. And that means that everything that you're doing in that pre-competition phase or in-season phase is very much geared towards simulating competition scenarios and getting yourself ready to perform in workouts that are likely to be in a competition. So we've spoken about off-season training where you would perhaps, you would, if strength and weightlifting was a priority, you would put that when you're freshest in the day. When we move into in-season, uh, in excuse me, or pre-competition, we will also be con making considerate, taking into consideration what scenarios are we going to be lifting in. Mm -hmm. And the likelihood is that we are going to be lifting in a fatigue state um, it's very popular for competitions to start, especially on the first day with a longer, more enduring event. And if not that, then it's very, it's usually very likely that we're lifting after we've already had several events throughout the day or at least the weekend. And that also applies to um, online as well, online stages, the open quarterfinals, when we had the online semifinals as well. So when we're looking at that, if it's at a point where you've got a competition within the next, say, I would say one to one and a half months, and mm -hmm. um, you would probably want to be looking at placing some of your weightlifting and strength sessions, especially the one, especially the ones that are more towards testing your strength. So building up to like maximal lifts, 
Olympic lifts, power lifts. You may want to look at placing some of those later on in the day after you've already done some conditioning pieces. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to get an adaptation to that session because you are tired going into it. You will still adapt to that session, but more importantly, you'll get the experience of having lifted with tired legs, a giant, like just being systemically generally tired from doing a session in the morning, high or low intensity. And so that when you get to competition, you are not a, you are not deciding your lifts and banking off of numbers that you've only ever hit fresh. And B, when you go to pick up that barbell and it feels heavy, you're used to that feeling. It's not it's not an unknown to you. It's kind of removing one of the unknowns so that you can feel a little bit more comfortable. I think that's uh, the big thing as well is during that period, you know, that one to one and a half months before the competition, it's removing as many of the uncertainties as possible to give you more confidence going into the weekend for whatever is is coming up that's kind of the goal or should be one of the main focuses in that four to six week lead up um towards competition because in that period yeah you've got a chance to still get fitter or a little bit stronger but it's actually the you know the finer details in and around our sport like how do I feel going from this movement to this movement? How do I feel doing the weightlifting piece after, I don't know, like a gymnastic heavy workout a couple of hours before? It's exploring all those factors that are going to, like I say, make you more confident and allow you to strategize each workout and, you know, piece of training that you're doing to the to the best of your ability as, as well. Um is there with that, go on as yeah. well just when you said about the the changes that you make to training um for competition as we're on the note making changes to training schedule and potential to sessions is what we can go into just very quickly to sessions too when we're in the off season a lot of these sessions that we're doing we're doing we just set them up in the way the best um gets you the intensity or like the, the that you want from the workout so for instance if we have a workout like um bonfire that's a great one to use an ex- as an example the white ball workout on saturday um that workout was 2159 thrusters dumbbell thrusters and both box jump over straight into uh 1529 double dumbbell ground to overhead and double under now when we're doing this in kind of like off season style you put all your equipment nice and close together You'd hit the workout with fast transitions, minimal time and and space between equipment so you can get like the fastest time possible, the best score. If we're looking at this workout in a pre-competition setting, we might want to start thinking about how would you have this workout laid out on the competition floor? If you've done some competitions before, you'd likely know that they generally they generally put you in a way where you progress down the floor. So you may want to look at doing your first 20, set of 21 dumbbell thrusters, move your dumbbell forwards, go back to the box, come to the box, back to the dumbbells, do your set of 15, move the dumbbells forward, back mm-hmm. to the box. And then the same thing with moving them forward throughout the dumbbell ground to overhead. Maybe you move your rope forward every set as well. So in that scenario, Instead of it being fast transitions, minimal space between equipment, we potentially have slightly longer transitions, more space between equipment. But the trade-off is that we're simulating the same kind of um, situation that we're going to be in a, a competition. So the um, because that's a priority at that point, pre-competition and season. That's awesome. 
So, David, just to summarise everything that we've gone through there, let's go through our kind of key points for off-season training first and organisation of training. So, you... oh, sorry, go on. Go on. Yeah, <laughs> what, are your, here. <laughs> what are your key principles that you would advise athletes that they have in the back of their mind when organizing training? So first of all is what elements of training are a priority to you? And then secondly, how do we organize what's what best, what order is best to put that element within the day so that you get the most out of that element that you most need to work on? And this is the same for if you are in the group of people who you do not have the time or you cannot tolerate the whole volume in the program. So you are not able to do everything that is in the training day currently. Or if you're in the second group that you do have the time to do all the training that's in the tra- each training day, but you want to choose which parts to prioritize or you just want to know how to organize the training day in the way that's best for you as an individual. Mm-hmm. Generally, it's best to put the thing that is the biggest priority to you or your weakness that you need to work on the most earlier in the day, first thing in the training day, because that's when you have the most energy and you are the least fatigued and can therefore perform the best on it. Um, A potential exception to this, or at least a consideration, is if you are weaker in conditioning but there is also a high skill element throughout in the day as well which could be high skill gymnastics with muscle ups bar muscle ups handstand variations um or weightlifting you may want to consider if it's actually best for you to put your conditioning before the weightlifting because you don't want to be so tired or the gymnastics because you don't want to be so tired that you can't perform those complex skills well so that would be the exception there perfect so that covers our off-season training for our in-season training, I think one of the the first key thing was be curious and start to explore and play around with the order of training a little bit more. So it could be that you do uh, your high skill elements first um, and then follow it up with weaker skill elements, but then the next day you might flick that around but I think the main purpose is that you go into each training session knowing exactly why you're doing it in that order and what you want to get out of that session is is the main thing that I took from what you said before, David. Please add anything in there that you feel like you would like to add or I've, I've missed. Uh, I think you've hit it bang on there. It's about being that curiosity is essentially going to serve the purpose of um predicting or simulating all the different scenarios in which you might have to do different types of workouts when we put it into the program or when you're probably doing it yourself in the off seasons we've just discussed you're putting it in the order that's going to give you the best possible stimulus and performance on the workout Mm -hmm. when we're pre-competition or in season we're just essentially trying to simulate all the different kind of scenarios that we might have to lift do gymnastics do conditioning at the competition and as that always changes it's best to also do the same thing in your training as well and change the order around regularly so that you're prepared for competition and you remove another unknown which is what does it feel like to max out my clean after a 5k run in the morning that kind of thing wicked that was brilliant mate thank you very much for your time yeah Uh, thank you jack
and I'm sure the the athletes will be some will have some revelations after after listening to this for sure because oh, I've had man. plenty of conversations like this recently. If if only we had someone telling us this stuff when we started. <laughs> I don't know how lucky they are. <laughs> if only we had this 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, cool. Thanks, David. That was awesome. Thank you, man. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed listening to that podcast as much as I enjoyed recording it. I know for me, that is a question that I get asked quite a lot from the GST athletes that follow our programmes. Um, and I think from that conversation the main points that I'd like to emphasise are keep it simple so you know what what is it that you need to prioritise for the day do that first hopefully the, that what we went through just gives you that clarity to be like right that is best practice that is what is best to do when going about organizing my training and then you know carrying out my training as well for both off season which we're kind of still in at the moment and then in season when you're kind of in the lead up to a competition um, you have a little bit more scope in the lead up to competition to mix things up a little bit more um, which is you know always interesting to to do um, to see how the body feels to see how you know you deal with it, um, you know, mentally as well. So yeah, I hope, uh, yeah, I hope you guys took plenty away from that. Um, events that are coming up. So on the 3rd of December, for most of our regions, is the final regional event. Uh, I think only the Southeast is on the Friday Eve, um, which is the 2nd of December. And that will be the last one for the next couple of months. Um, I think from conversations that I've had with regional managers, it's quite likely that it will be after quarterfinals now until the next regional event. So make the effort and make sure you get down to this final event, you know, wherever it's closest uh, to you. Don't worry too much that there's not going to be an event for a while. We've got something else in the pipeline and it's kind of the next step that we've wanted to create uh, after these regional events so we'll be dropping a little bit more information on that soon i just need to finalize some dates with the regional managers um, and then we can start to release more information to all you lovely people uh that's it from me today like i say if you guys have ever any questions, drop me, drop us a message on, you know, Twitter, Instagram, anywhere, email, you know, wherever you'd like to touch base with us and we'll do our best to help you out. Catch you guys soon.